Well, welcome everybody and happy Easter. You guys glad to be here this weekend? It's awesome. Thanks for coming out. Everybody over at Montrose, thanks for gathering. Everybody online, thanks for gathering as well. I'm glad you're excited about Easter. I, when I was a kid, I hated Easter weekend. So I, when I was a kid, I was a, I was a paper boy. Anybody know what a paper boy was, right? So paper boy was a way to exploit child labor is what that was. <clears throat> so I had to deliver the newspapers. Anybody knows what a newspaper is? So imagine they used to print the internet. That's what would happen. And then you would deliver it to people's house. And so we would have the Sunday paper was like a, you know, a big thick thing. And on Easter Sunday, um, our church used to have this thing called sunrise service. So for some reason, we thought it was, you get closer to Jesus if you sat outside pre-dawn in metal folding chairs and somehow joined in the suffering of Jesus. That's, that's what it was. So I had to go at four o'clock, I had to deliver papers before we went to sunrise. So I would get up four o'clock in the morning, I would deliver papers, and then I would go sit in the cold, and then we would have pancakes at church, and then we'd have Easter Sunday morning, and I'd fall asleep, and my mom would get mad at me. And that was my whole Easter Sunday experience right there. So I hope yours is less traumatic than mine was uh, growing up. But it is awesome to be together. It is awesome to celebrate, and it's awesome to celebrate the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I wanna just like take a second and remind us that that's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating the physical, the literal resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we're not celebrating like the metaphorical resurrection of Jesus Christ, like he died but his teachings arose. We're not celebrating the spiritual resurrection of Jesus Christ, like he died, his body's in the grave but his spirit arose. We're we're celebrating the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was crucified, he died literally, he was buried, like people handled his body, wrapped him up, and then put him in a grave and sealed it. And the Bible says that he rose again from that, that he raised to life again and he broke out of that tomb. And when we worship Jesus and we interact with him, we're interacting with the resurrected Savior. In fact, I was just kind of nerding out about this a little bit this week. Um, when you think about the historical resurrection of Jesus, so here's like some of the, this is where I got nerdy, but I'll just share it with you. So uh, there were 203 eyewitness statements given by people who witnessed his death, then interacted with him after his resurrection. There's 396 citations of Jesus being resurrected specifically on the third day. That's what the prophecy said. Uh, Like the apostle Paul documented some of this in 1 Corinthians He said, Christ died for our sins according to the scripture or according to prophecy in the Old Testament, that he was buried, that he was raised again on the third day according to that prophecy, and that he appeared to people who watched him die and then interacted with him after he rose again. So Cephas, and then he appeared to the 12, they were all there. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. And then he's writing to this this church, telling them about that. He says, most of whom are still living. He's like, if you wanna, you should go ask them. Like, they're still alive. Although some, of course, have passed away. And then he appeared to James, and then he appeared to the apostles. And, And this idea that Jesus physically rose again from the dead. This is not myth, it's not metaphor. Uh, This is not like a Bigfoot sighting, like somebody kind of blurry saw him somewhere. 
He appeared, um, here's the list of things geographically and timelines. He appeared in Judea after he rose again in, in Galilee. So those are towns that are separated apart. He was in the city. He was in the countryside. People interacted with him indoors, outdoors, in the morning, in the evening. He interacted with individuals. He interacted with groups. He was sitting down. He was standing up. He was walking, eating, talking. He was on a hill. He was by the lake. Like you, you take this case and this evidence, if we took it to court today, we would win this, right? So historically, archaeologically, uh, doing criticism of literature, Jesus rose again from the dead. And there's really not a, an argument about it when you're open and honest about the ancient evidence that we would plan into it. So that, that's a huge deal. And it's a, it's a big deal and it's a comforting deal. It speaks to his power. It speaks to like his deity, like he is God. He's not just a, a moral teacher. And, and, it's, and it speaks to how he can show up in our lives in, in powerful and personal ways, right? Now, why do I bring all that up? <clears throat> I bring the, all that up just to kind of lay down a foundation that we're talking about a resurrected savior I know that's probably not the, the issue or the facts that's on your mind here this weekend. What you are probably asking is what I would ask is like, okay, Jeff, you win. What does that matter to me? So what, do, what does the resurrection of Jesus Christ mean in my life personally? Like beyond like religion, right? So like a Christian religion, like you got me, we came to church this weekend, so... And beyond like history and the balance of history, like BC, AD stuff, like what does that matter to me personally? That Jesus died for me, that he was buried, and that he literally rose again from the dead. How does that speak into my life and how does that interact with me? The reason that Jesus' resurrection is such a big deal it is such an important deal is because it illustrates and demonstrates his, his power to bring about hope in our lives. And when you think about life and you think about how life works and what life is like and how life kind of plays, if there is no hope of someone who is greater, if there is no hope of someone who can make change, if there's no hope of someone that can offer forgiveness and offer a, a redo or what the Bible calls a rebirth, you pull that out of your life personally. If there's no hope of life after death, if you know, Stephen Hawking said we're a computer and we turn off, we're, we're over. If, that, if there's no hope of that, if there's no hope of reunion with a loved one, you pull all those things out of our lives and you pull out the love and the concern and the intervention of a living savior, life becomes pretty dark pretty quick and pretty hopeless and pretty overwhelming pretty quick. You plug in to that same equation a resurrected savior, someone who can do all of that, who can actually do the things that he taught about and promises. And life gets pretty hopeful pretty quick and it gives us a different focus and a different outlook and a different future because Jesus lives, right? So let me, let me show you this and, and let me show you 
Let me show you what Jesus did and how that shows up. And then we'll talk a little bit about how that, how that plays out for us. Okay, so this is what Jesus did. This is one of his teachers, the apostle Peter. He says this, he says, this is what Jesus did for us. Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and alive for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. So when Jesus lived, he lived a perfect life. He never sinned. Uh, Peter says he, 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 he never sinned. He never deceived anyone. He never blamed anyone. He never retaliated about anything. He trusted justice to his father. So Jesus never sinned. He goes to the cross as an innocent person and he goes there so that he can deal with our sin. So the Bible says that every human being is a sinner and that we all struggle with sin, okay? Now, what's sin? What's sin? Sin, in a nutshell, is everything that's wrong in your life. Everything that's unjust, everything that's painful, everything that's frustrating, everything that's disappointing, everything that causes you to feel trapped and hopeless, all of that is tied to sin. Either someone sinning against you or you sometimes sinning against other people. So when you feel overwhelmed by the pain of your life, when you look at your life and say, I feel inadequate, I feel anxious, I feel discouraged, I feel unworthy. And if we backtrack that and we said, where did that come from? I feel inadequate because I could never please my mom. I feel unworthy because my dad disappeared. Uh, I feel anxious because someone wounded me, hurt me, and taught me to live in fear. Uh, I, I feel insecure be, because I never knew with my, with my friends or my teachers or my parents if I was winning or losing. When you feel those things, what you're feeling is you're feeling the result of sin entering into your life. When someone has withheld love from you, that's sin, that's not right. When, when someone has been abusive to you, that's sin. When someone mocks you and they, they blow you up online, that's sin. When your friends at school gossip about you and there's a group chat that you're not a part of, that's sin. And when I feel overwhelmed and I feel pain, I'm dealing with sin that has been done to me. Now there's other times that we feel the results of sin because of what we have done. So sometimes we would look and say, I feel guilt and I feel shame because of what I did. Uh, what I did, you know, my freshman year of college. Uh, the decisions that I make. The, the way that I broke up my first marriage. Uh, the way that I haven't, I haven't talked to that friend forever and I feel ashamed now. It's just embarrassing to go to them and say, can we work on our relationship? So there's other times that we would look and say, I feel less than, I feel like unworthy, I feel dirty, I feel guilt-ridden, I have secrets and I'm holding those secrets. All of those feelings are a result of my sin. 
where, where I have been the one who neglected. I have been the one who has wounded. I have been the one who has fallen short. And then all of our tension with God. So when I look at God and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Am I good with God? Like, am I, am I actually going to go to heaven? I don't know. Like, I'm trying my best. Uh, I don't know what God thinks about me. I think maybe God is, you know, not on my team because, you know, horrible thing. Like, I, there's this illness in my life. There's these pressures in my life, you know, because I, I just I might get transferred to Michigan. Like, I just feel like all these things. And so we would look, in, we look at our relationship with God and say, well, my relationship with God must be based on me falling short. So uh, everything bad that happens is because I wasn't religious enough or good enough. And I see good things happen to other people. And the guy on TV said that if I had enough faith, I could have a private jet too. And so there must be something wrong with me. So Jesus knows all of that. And he would look, he said, right guys, because you're, you're dead in this sin. Like all of that spiritually, emotionally, even on a grand scale physically, all of that is the death of sin. And you, every one of us, has participated in that. And every one of us has had that done to us. We all feel the death of sin. The emotional death, the spiritual death, the relational death of sin. And Jesus would look and say, this is why I came. Because when you are trapped in that, and when you are overwhelmed in that, and, and when, you, when you feel these things and live in these ways and feel crushed down by this stuff, you don't have the ability to free yourself from it, right? Because if you could make the frustrations of your life and the pain of your life go away, wouldn't you have done that a long, long time ago? Like if you had the ability to do that. If you're struggling with addiction, if you could not struggle with it, wouldn't you not struggle with it? Like if, if you're in a, if you're in a, a relationship that's melting down, would, wouldn't you and your spouse act like the way that you acted like when you first got married if you could do it? Like we all hate this and we're all trapped in it and it's all, some of it's our doing and then some of it's been done to us. So, What's easier? So Jesus, what Jesus does is he sees us in this. He loves us. He cares for us. And he didn't create us to live in sin. He created us to live in what he calls the abundant life or the full life that he wants to give us. But he sees that you're trapped and you can't get rid of it. So what Jesus did was this at Easter time. Jesus comes down and he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. So think of it this way. Jesus is not this big religious leader. He's not like, you know, the ultimate figure of Christianity. Jesus is not just this big historical person. Jesus is a personal God who personally loves you. So what Jesus does through his life and then his death is he comes into you and he looks at you. Just imagine him walking into your family room or into your dorm room and he looks at you and he says are you burdened by sin and you may not even know how to answer you're like I don't know let me ask it differently 
Are you overwhelmed with anxiety? Yeah. Are, are you, it, it, are, is addiction ruling your life? Yeah. Do you have broken relationships? Yeah. Do, do, have, you, have you felt the sting of death? Are you grieving? Yes. Do you, do you feel overwhelmed by that and frustrated by it? Yes, I do. It's just you and Jesus. Yes, I feel all, now that you put it that way, yes, I feel that way. Okay, this is what I would like to do for you. I would like to personally transfer your pain to me and my joy and my life to you. Want to trade? If, would you, would it, I mean, think about the deal. Would you trade your pain, your anxiety, your frustration, your brokenness? I'll personally take it. And what I would like to trade you for it is I would like to trade you life and joy and forgiveness and hope and a new life, a rebirth, a do-over. Want to trade? And what Jesus did for you, not, not just like for the planet, but for you, is he shows up in your life like right now and he's like, I will all of this sin and all of this death, if you want to trade, I'll trade you. And he personally carried our sins in his body to the cross. Here's the deal with sin. Sins have price tags to them, right? So when somebody abandoned you and hurt you, you're paying for that, aren't you? When somebody lied to you and walked out on you, you're, you're paying for that, aren't you? Well, when I abandon and I lie and I cheat and I, there's a consequence to my sin. And I can't pay for my sin and I can't really handle the price tag of other people's sin. And Jesus says, if you want to trade, I'll trade you and I'll take all of that to the cross because I want you to be alive and I'll pay for it by my wounds so that you can be healed. I tell you what, if you want to trade, all your wounds and all your pain and all your frustration and all of the break in your relationship with God, I'll pay that. I'll give you life if you want to trade. And I'll let all of all of that justice be poured out on me. And all of that judgment be poured out on me. And all of that, the Bible uses the word wrath. All that wrath, I'll let it be poured out on me so that it's not poured out on you if you want to trade. And I will personally take that to the cross for you because I would like to trade your sin for my life. And I want you to have the life that you long for, that you hope for, and I actually want you to have the life that you were created for. Pretty good deal, right? Not bad. Now, here's where this gets crazy. You ready? You guys sitting down? Okay, you ready? Anybody who is a good person 
theoretically could make that trade. I don't know a parent alive, a loving one, who wouldn't look at their children and say, if I can bear your pain, I'll take the pain and you take what I got. I don't know any righteous or, or good friend alive who wouldn't look and say, if I could step in your place, I would step in your place. And there's all kinds of examples throughout history of good people who have been willing to make a trade. I will lay my life down for you. I will give my life for your freedom. I will give my life to protect you. You're trapped in the flames, I'll run into the flames. I'm willing to give my life to set you free. I, I would, if I could trade all kinds of good, wonderful, great example, highly moral people have offered themselves to free people from pain, from injustice, even from their own consequences. So Jesus, if all Jesus did was die, he would just be in that category, right? We would look at Jesus and say, man, his teachings were amazing. Like, because his teachings are amazing. Whether you believe them or not, they're amazing, right? If he, lay, if, he, if he laid his life down, if he was just a substitute, we would look and say, man, like, there's, there's people like that that we can look at, that we honor. We have statues of them, and we should. Because, like, like man, they, they stood up, they paid the price, they, were the, they took the abuse, they, but they never lost. And we would put Jesus into that category, Here's the thing that gets nuts. Jesus personally took your sin to the cross. He's like, you want to trade? So we can trade him. We can do that right now. We can trade him our sin for his life. But he's not just a good guy. It's not his death that makes all of that work out. It's his resurrection that we would look at. This is what Peter says. He says, guys, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So what Jesus did, he laid his life down, but he didn't keep it down, right? Jesus' body is not under some sand somewhere in the Middle East, because he didn't raise again from the dead as an idea, like many prophets and teachers have risen from the dead as an idea. He wasn't just spiritually liberated. There's all kinds of people that when, when, we, when they die, we put their body in the ground and their spirit is with the Lord. So he wasn't just spiritually liberated. He rose again from the dead literally. He defeated death and he defeated sin so that you and I could have life over the things that defeat us. And what he does when he sits down and looks at you and says, hey, you want to trade? You want to trade? I'll trade you. I'll trade your, your, your spiritual lostness. I'll trade your brokenness. I'll, I'll trade your pain with people, and even your rebellion against God. Like, I will trade that for your life. And the reason that that becomes so important is because he took that personally to the cross, but he didn't empathize and sympathize. He defeated it. 
So he defeats sin and he defeats death and he's able to invite us into a new life. If you've ever looked at your life and said, I wish I could do parts of it over. If you've ever looked at your life and say, thought to yourself, I wish I could take parts of that back. If you've ever looked at your life and, and thought, man, if I could do that again. Jesus is like, I will give you a new birth, a new life, but this all comes from the resurrection. So because Jesus lives, he is able to have the power to help you overcome your sin. Because he lives, he has the power to walk you through your anxiety. Because he lives, he has the power to erase the shame of your past. Because he lives, he can breathe life and resurrection into what looks like a dead relationship. Because he lives, he can break the cycles of your addiction and your dysfunction. Because he lives, he, he can give you a hope, a hope that, that there is life after death, a hope that for those of us who are in Christ, there will be reunion again. Because he lives, he makes life not something that you endure and suffer and then die. He makes life something that you invest and build spiritual wealth with and then enjoy. It's all because he lives. You pull the resurrection out of it, you just got another guy that should have a good statue. But you put the resurrection into it, you've got a God that can make a complete and total difference in your life now. So when that God shows up and he's sitting in your dorm room with you and you're looking at him and you're saying, I don't think I like the way this is going, when he looks at you and says, well, how about we swap out and change it? That's not a platitude. That's not an empty offering. That's not a good positive thought. That is a risen savior who can change your life and forgive your sin and free you from the death of it today. And it's the power and the wonder of Easter and the price has been paid, Jesus died, and the victory has been won, Jesus rose again from the dead. When I was a kid, years ago, uh, something happened that is a funny family story uh, with my sister. I think it's funny. I don't know if she does, but I'll find out at dinner. Uh, but she, uh, we were on vacation. She and I, this is, we're the two youngest, so just the two of us were at home still with mom and dad. We went out to the Rocky Mountains on a vacation. So we're out in the Rocky Mountains, and if you've ever been to the Rockies, there's a bunch of like streams and stuff that are kind of fun to play in. So you play in the water a lot out there and we would do that and it's called the Rocky Mountains. So most of these streams and things have like rapids and like the, they're all kind of, kind of like rapids all, almost all the place, but it's like a, like a river or a stream, you know, it gets deeper in the middle. So like the rapids were like heavier in the middle, but kind of like not too bad on, on the sides. So somewhere along the way, um, my dad bought us these rafts and, and we did this like a bunch, like it would be hot, we'd be hiking, we'd be hot and uh, we'd go back to the trailer uh, that was in the parking lot, dad would get the rafts out and we'd just hop in the water 
you know, and cool down. So we did that one day, and we'd hop on the raft and kind of ride the rapids down for a little while, then get out and come back and, and do it again. So we'd been doing that for a while and uh, having fun with it. And, and then one time, my, my sister, uh, I don't, her name may be Sharon, uh, but my sister Sharon was uh, was going down the thing, and I don't know if she hit a rock. I don't I don't know really know what happened, but somehow she bumped off of like the semi calm part that we were playing in, and she went into like the middle of the the river. Well, when she went into the middle of the river, the the rapids got you know more aggressive, and she panicked. And so when she panicked, she rolled herself off of the raft trying to. I don't know what she was trying to do. She just rolled herself off the raft and wound up on her back. And now all the water is like rushing across her face and she can't breathe. So she, she's stuck there in the water and all the water's running across her face and she's just flipping out. So she would she'd push herself up a little bit and she'd take a, a, you know, a gulp of air and then she'd scream, help me! That's what she sounds like. And, and so she... She'd be, she, and then she'd go down a little bit, and she'd push herself up, help me, and, and she'd go down a little bit, and then she started yelling for, dad, dad, you know, and so my dad was there watching us, you know, we're not just there with like the bears, you know, so we're, we're, we're all this is going on. So she's flipping out, trying to breathe, she's kind of drowning, and she's yelling for my dad. So my dad goes into the water and gets close to her, and she's like, I'm dying, help me, rescue me, save me, sweet Jesus. You know, just freaking out. And, and my dad grabs her. And like now, now that she's not floating at all, now the water's getting really bad. And she's like, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. And my dad goes, Sharon, stand up. <laughs> right? And she's I can't breathe. He's like, honey, stand up. And so she... And so finally he started lifting her up and she stood up. Now to her defense, she was only like 10, but like when she stood up, like the water was up to like her shins, right? <laughs> she thought she was dying, but in reality she was fine. She just didn't know it, right? Guys, listen, look at me, look at me. This victory is one done. Like, how am I going to work my way out of my, my past? I'm like, it's, it's been defeated. I got to be more religious. I gotta, it's done. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm like, just stand up. Jesus is, Jesus did it. He, he died and then he, he rose again and there's new life and it's been bought and paid for and preserved and given and offered and his hand is outstretched. And it's not, it's not you getting your act together and you paying the consequences for everything and you gotta be a better version of you. You have already figured out how far you can take yourself in life, it's been proven. This is a God who, who, is, who has already put a foundation down of his forgiveness 
and already put a foundation down as a, as a way of escape and already put a foundation down where everything is done, bought, paid for, signed, sealed, delivered. Death, burial, resurrection. So when we are drowning in our sin, it's, it's, it's not necessary. And we're overwhelmed because we, we've discovered the ends of our ability to be positive thinkers and good people and we're still in messes. It's not necessary. When we're trapped in our past, when, when 25 years ago is defining me today, when last weekend is defining me today, it's not necessary. It's been done. The victory has been won. It just has to be received. And Jesus would look at us one-on-one. -on -one. He's like, guys, you want, you want, to, you want to trade? Want to trade? I don't know if you can do it, Jesus. Oh, I, yeah, I can do it. I already did. And I came from heaven to earth to make sense to you. I paid for the consequences of the sin you committed and the sin that's been committed to you that was poured out on me. I have created healing by my wounds. Like I took that for you. And I got up from the grave. And I have already created victory over sin and death. All we have to do is trade. And you can have that in your life because I purchased it with mine. See? Guys, it would be heartbreaking for you to be suffocating when all that's necessary is to stand up. Jesus says that all those who call on his name will be saved. And when we turn from our sins, the Bible word is repent. When we repent or we turn from our sins, all that means is I've been living life on my own and I'm gonna turn and I'm gonna run to Christ instead of away from him. That this salvation and this victory, it's here, it's Free, the Bible says. It's offered by grace through faith. It's a free gift. You don't gotta, you don't gotta give money to the church. You, you don't have to act a certain way. You don't have to say magic words. It's done. Because you have a savior who loves you, who is offering to trade and has already proven his ability to make it. 
And he wants to set us free. He wants to make us right in our relationship with God. He even wants to make us right in our relationships with each other. And it was all accomplished on the cross and proven and solidified and verified at the resurrection. And it's the gift, it's the offer, it's the passion that Jesus wants to offer us and give to you on Easter, right? All right. Would you pray with me? The band's gonna come out, take us into an important time of reflection. Pray with me as they set the stage. Jesus, we love you. Thank you. Thank you that you love us so much that you personally step in. Jesus, the idea that you, a holy, perfect God, would see us in our pain and you would sympathize and you would empathize and you would love us enough that you wanna get us out of it, to help us through it, to give us strength. So thank you for stepping out of heaven and coming to earth. Thank you for living here with skin on so that we could understand what you're like and what your heart is and compute that in a context that we can get our head around. Thank you for the great exchange that you're willing to make, that you'll, you who know no sin will personally pay for ours, that you did that. And then God, the resurrection, and the hope and the offer. So God, for those that are here that have not yet received what you want to give to us, would you help that to make sense in a unique and a personal and a powerful way right now? And if that's you, if what we just talked about is making sense to you and hitting you in a way that it never has before, that That's what it feels like for God to reach out to you. So all you do is reach back, pray, and just use your words. He doesn't care what you say. He only cares what you mean. And ask him, God, forgive me, change me. I accept. I want this new life that comes because of your resurrection. Jesus, the powerful and the sacrificial work, we're grateful. Let it change us. Let it redirect us. And let it give new birth to our hearts, even today.